0: Sojourner True, Thank you for staying with us. This is your host, Margaret Prescott. Today, an in-depth discussion with women's rights icon Selma James. She is an anti-sexist, anti-racist, anti-capitalist campaigner and author. She was born in 1930 in Brooklyn, New York City, and raised in a movement household. She later became part of the organization headed by C.L.R. James, the author of black jacobins in 1955 she emigrated to london england to marry clr and worked with him in the movements for independence and federation of the english-speaking caribbean in 1972 she founded the wages for housework campaign she is now coordinator of the global women's strike let us go now to a clip of selma james speaking about autonomy she spoke last fall in london england
1: Autonomy has a particular meaning in politics. Autonomy is your independence despite dependence. That's one way of phrasing it. Autonomy is that you work, you go to a place to work, and he's your boss, and you can't get rid of him. I mean, you make every effort, but it doesn't <laughs> work easily. But at the same time, you form a trade union so that you can be autonomous of him in your struggle against him in spite of the fact that he has your bread in his pocket. So it's it's really an important Marxist way of looking at working class people and how we are attached to capital, but at the same time looking always to see how we can be independent of capital so we can make a struggle against capital. And that's perfectly clear, and if you think back, you know how many ways in which that applies to you and applies to the struggles that you know about, that you are independent and, and very important, but autonomous. Now. When that word was talked about and when that concept was explained in the 19th century and sometimes in the 20th, we had an idea that working class meant homogeneous. We were all, most of us in the world, were working class. We were working and we were a class. And we were an exploited class. Um, and there were some people who understood the differences among us and the struggles that we're taking on. Taking on. All righty. So that was Selma James from a
0: talk she gave last fall in London, England. And we're going to be spending the hour with this women's rights icon.
2: For Pacifica Radio, I'm Christina honested More than 150 international organizations have signed on to a letter urging the Biden administration to close Guantanamo Bay, marking the 21st anniversary of the detention center Wednesday. Peace and human rights groups, including Code Pink, staged an action on the UC Berkeley campus in California yesterday, calling for Guantanamo Bay's closure and for the prosecution of the campus law professor, Republican John Yu, who was a high-ranking Justice Department official when he authored the so-called torture memos during the George W. Bush administration. The memorandums argued the prisoners at Guantanamo should not be covered by the Geneva Convention's prohibition against mistreatment and torture. According to Human Rights Watch, the U.S. tortured at least 39 detainees at Guantanamo. Some of them were waterboarded. Russia says its forces are edging closer to capturing a salt mining town of Solidar in eastern Ukraine. Much of the town has been reduced to rubble as Ukraine tries to fend off Russian attacks. Ukraine's deputy defense minister, Hanna Melgar, says they continue defending the land and the Russians have marched on the bodies of their own soldiers, burning everything on their way. Her comments were translated by Al Jazeera.
3: Fighting is fierce in the Solodar direction near Bakhmut. Despite the difficult situation, Ukrainian soldiers are desperately fighting. Russia is trying to break through our defence lines without any luck to capture Solodar, and the enemy has high losses. The area outside the city is covered with the bodies of Putin's troops. The Russians are moving over their own corpses.
2: The private mercenary Wagner Group is largely behind Russian gains made in Solidar. In the U.S., just days into the new legislative session... Republicans who now control the House chamber are going after abortion rights. They took early action with their majority approving two measures Wednesday, one to condemn attacks on anti-abortion facilities, including crisis pregnancy centers, and a separate bill to impose new penalties if a doctor refuses to care for an infant born alive after an attempted abortion. The moves make it clear they want further restraints after the Supreme Court overruled the federal right to abortion last year. New York Republican Claudia Tenney said the resolution was needed after an anti-abortion pregnancy center was firebombed in New York last year called Compass Care.
0: The perpetrators left graffiti. Jane was here. These Those responsible has still not been held accountable. Unfortunately, this was not an isolated incident. Over 100 100- pro-life facilities and churches were attacked in 2022 alone. More than
2: twice that number of abortion clinics were attacked, according to the National Abortion Federation, which releases a tally each year. It's yet to release last year's, but in 2021, the NAF documented more than 800 acts of violence, including death threats, battery vandalism, invasions and burglary against abortion providers and clinics. It also documented more than 2,000 instances of trespassing, more than 55,000 incidents of hate mail and internet harassment and more than 200,000 pickets outside abortion clinics. Democrat Mary Gay Scanlon of Pennsylvania slammed the resolution as political posturing to anti-abortion extremists. By condemning
4: only vandalism and violence against anti-abortion facilities, it gives tacit approval to the far more frequent attacks against abortion clinics and other medical centers disfavored by the radical right. Political violence is never
2: the answer. Meanwhile, CVS and Walgreens have announced they will sell the abortion medication at pharmacies known as Mifepristone. That comes after the FDA announced it is allowing the drug to be bought over the counter with a prescription. Alabama's attorney general said medication abortions will remain illegal in the state, despite the Biden administration's move to expand access to those drugs. President Joe Biden's legal team has discovered another set of documents with classified markings. This comes days after attorneys for the president said they located a small number of classified documents at the president's former office space in Washington. Republicans have compared the news to former President Donald Trump's handling of classified documents, though Biden has said the documents were handed over to the National Archives. Yet Trump refused to do that. Also, Trump had stored hundreds of documents at his home in Mar-a-Lago, which led to an FBI raid of the home. Biden had 12 documents at an old office. The number and location of the second batch of documents have not been reported. I'm Christina Onestad reporting for Pacifica Radio.
0: And this is Margaret Prescott, host of Sojourner Truth. <clears throat> now, I'd like to welcome our guest. Selma James will be with us for the rest of the hour. She is an anti-racist, anti-sexist, anti-capitalist campaigner and author. She was born in Brooklyn, New York in 1930. She was raised in a movement household. And she joined uh, CLR James's Johnson Forest Tendency when she was um, just a teenager. Um, Later, many years later, in 1955, she immigrated to London, where she and CLR uh, were married. Um, CLR had been deported from the United States during the McCarthy period. From 1958 to 1962, Selma James worked with him in the Movement for Independence and Federation of the English-speaking Caribbean, and she spent some time living both in Trinidad um, and Barbados in the Caribbean. In 1965, back in London, she was the first organizing secretary of the campaign against racial discrimination. In 1972, she founded the International Wages for Housework campaign. She co-authored the classic, The Power of Women and Subversion of the Community, which launched the domestic labor debate. She's also the author of sex, race, and class. She coined the word unwage to describe the caring work women do. It has since entered the English language to describe all who work without wages on the land in the home, and in the community. Her path-breaking book, Sex, Race, and Class, published in 1974 on different sectors, wage and unwaged, Global South and Global North, working together on the basis of autonomy, was republished in her first anthology, Sex, Race, and Class. The Perspective of Winning by PM Press was published in 2012. Other of her publications include The Rapist Who Pays the Rent, uh, The Ladies and the Mammies, Jane Austen and Jean Reese, Marx and Feminism, Strangers and Sisters, Women, Race, and Immigration, The Milk of Human Kindness, um, and Jailhouse Lawyers, where she uh, worked with uh, Mamiya Abu-Jamal. Also, she did the introduction um, for Crossroads Books of Ujama, the hidden story of Tanzania's socialist uh, villages. She is the coordinator of Care Income Now, a campaign launched jointly with the Green New Deal for Europe in 2020. Uh, on International Women's Day last year, that would be in 2022, uh, the city of London renamed Kentish Town Station after Selma James It's the closest Underground, or what we here would call train or subway station, to the Crossroads Women's Center where Selma is based. And um, she also uh, published a second anthology, Our Time Is Now Sex, Race, Class, and Caring for People and Planet that was published in 2021 also with PM Press. Selma James, welcome Selma, thanks for joining us. Thank you for uh,
1: having me here, I'm delighted. Okay,
0: Selma, what we're going to do is we're going to go back into the Pacifica Radio Archives where we found a clip from you, a young Selma James, Um, I'm not sure, it was on our the Pacifica Station WBAI in New York City, Either from the um, late 1970s or early 1980s. Um, so let's hear that clip now and then we'll begin our discussion with you. Let's First go to of that all, we want
4: now. money of our own. We want to be independent human beings without having to go to work in a factory or an office, as so many millions of us have been forced to do on an international level. And second of all, we feel that when they do try to take it back, that other sections of the working class will have to fight like hell to prevent it from being taken back. That's not new. That's not new. That's the way it goes. They're always going to try to take it back from us somehow. But I think before they try to take it back, they're going to try to divide us. They're going to try to say, we'll give some women money, and will not give other women money. And on an international level, that's already happening because whereas in Eastern Europe, they're now paying women to have children, in countries like India, they're paying women not to have children. We are not demanding a productivity deal. We want the money. Because we need it. We want the money because we need to have control of our bodies, which means that we want the right to have abortion and we want the right to have children when we want it, which means we must have some money of our own. We want money so that we can refuse the jobs that they are offering us now at a much lower wage than men get, and uh, we know the kind of work that we have to do there. Either it's an extension of housework or it's heavy, manual, boring, disgusting labor where the clock doesn't move between one o'clock and um, two minutes past one, it takes about an hour, you know, on Monday morning everybody in a factory, every woman in a factory says, I wish it was Friday, and somebody else says, you're wishing your life away and the other person knows that that is absolutely true, you spend your life in a factory wishing your life away, you spend a li- your life in the house wishing your life away, we don't want to wish our life away, we don't want to spend our life doing the work that has been set out for us, and the only way that we can refuse to do that work is by saying we can live without doing it. We are as much involved in wage labor in the sense that if we don't get money either through a man or directly from a capitalist, we starve. We'd like to end that. We are not going to starve because we refuse to do their work. It's very hard to imagine what it's like to be free when you never have been hard
0: to imagine what it's like to be free. Selma James, I'm not quite sure what year that was, but certainly the points you make there are still very relevant today. And to kick off our our conversation, I wonder if you could share with our audience uh, when and why you put forward the demand for wages for housework. What Were your influences at the time uh, both in uh, on both sides of the Atlantic, so to speak, in the U.S. and Europe? What led you in that direction, Selma?
1: Well, we knew that what we needed was money of our own. We were the carers in the society, in every society, uh, and what we did not have is any recognition that our work was vital. In fact, the most vital work in the society, because we were the carers, and uh, we got no acknowledgement of that with the wage, with the wage that we were entitled to, to refuse other work as well as the work in the home, the work in the community, protecting everyone um, and keeping the society going. Whatever happened, strike. disaster, unemployment, and just poverty, cost of living rising as it is today. We were entitled to that money and we were entitled to it because we were members of the human race, but also because the human race was extremely dependent on the work that we did, bringing it into existence and taking care and protecting everyone.
0: Right. And uh, Salma, tell us a bit then about uh, the the influence, let's see, with the, the movement for family allowance on the one hand in the UK and the welfare rights movement in the US. Uh, Johnny Tillman, who is out of uh, Southern California, she early on uh, said that she thought that Uh, housewives, as she put it, should get a wage for the work they're doing of taking care of their families and and caring for their children. So tell us about that, Selma.
1: Well, what happened uh, in 1972, in March 1972, was that feminism didn't want a wage for housework. They thought we would be liberated if we went out and did the work that we were trying, to, many of us trying to get out of uh, in factories, in offices, typing, etc. And a woman said, when, when we were turned down at that conference, a woman said, but they're taking family allowance away from women. They're going to give it to the men. And that's wages for housework, isn't it? And I said, yes, indeed it is. And I knew it was the first wage that women in the UK had won. And as we fought for family allowance to be kept in women's hands, a number of things happened. First of all, women made it clear that this was the only money they could call their own and they weren't about to let the government take it from them. And secondly, we began to discover in the U.S. the movement that was massive, millions of women, led by women of color, by black women, for a wages for housework, which Johnny Tillman, you're quite right, called it as it was. And they fought for money, whether or not they were with men and whether or not the men were employed or unemployed. They demanded money of their own for the work of raising children and, in fact, of caring for everyone, Uh, So, which reinforced what we began to be building in London and almost immediately in the U.S. at the same time.
0: Absolutely, and just for... The audience, those of you who have uh, followed my work, this is Margaret Prescott, host of Sojourner Truth. Selma and I have actually worked uh, for some decades now. I co founded uh, Black Women for Wages for Housework. Uh, Selma was a, a great supporter of the work early on. Uh, and continue to be of Black and other women of color. But uh, Selma James, uh, what you over these decades have worked to build an independent, international, multiracial women's network that's grounded in anti-racism. What lessons have you learned over the decades in doing this work? Or lessons that we all could benefit from?
1: So. Well, the first problem is that we speak different languages and we have to learn to communicate um, among us. But I've found that you, first of all, that you can't be anti-racist unless you're international, unless you are aiming to have an organization or a network of organizations which really is in every country because the situation of women is universal in every country. We are exploited and we are deprived of money which we should be getting, which is why we call it a care income right now because we are the carers of the society um the second thing is that you always have a victory to celebrate it's wonderful you don't you lose something maybe in the uk but maybe in thailand you're beginning to win something and that's the energy that keeps you going in the uk and um you learn so much more when you pull the um uh, the understanding and the experience of other women and indeed other men, but you are also opening yourself to a lot more of what is happening in the world so that your perspective is always enlarged and also more deep and more understanding among us it's terribly important to know how we are experiencing our lives and comparing notes and learning from each other what you can do and what's harder to do. And learning how to organize in an international way is one of the most exciting things which we have all experienced. And it is really, truly anti-racist. Yes and and Selma
0: I mean your work and the work of of many of us who who uh worked with you now reflected um in the UN decade for women uh UN resolutions that we all worked so uh hard for Selma I remember you in the halls of Beijing China in 1995 where the final UN conference for women was held editing language that we were hoping um and we did uh, get uh, uh, governments to agree to after um, the, the the U.S. tried to block it but didn't succeed. So. Your work has been uh, quite influential. The work of the Wages for Housework campaign from feminist economists who uh, started taking it up and, and making various calculations to today, you hear a lot about the caring society, about the caring economy, um, the Marshall Plan for uh, for Moms called um, in 2022 for a salary for, for, for moms. There's a lot, um, happening, not only in the United States, but in the, in Europe and in India and other parts of the world. Uh, but there, you know, you don't always get credit though, for, um, putting this demand forward and, and for the work you've done. So I'm wondering, um, have How have you been able to respond to those who have taken credit for your work, or is it even worth it to you spending your time second the, setting the record straight? Is that even possible, Selma James?
1: Well, the first thing is that what we went to the UN to do was to get that work acknowledged and it's really important to do that if you don't have money, because if you don't have money, you're not really working. Um, but uh, people think of, of it that way and treat you that way. But um, what is most important is that the whole society ignores caring. It is not a caring society that we live in. We know that. It's the society that you that aims to get money from you, to get profit from you. It is not a society where you are um, you are dedicated to caring for others and others are uh, to care for you. And if you want a society like that, you'd better start with the people who are doing the caring now. At the moment, the nurses in the UK are on strike a day or two a week or whatever it is because they're having to eat at food banks because their wages are so low and too many people who have who are women who have power are ignoring that and saying not very much about it but we all know that that is part of what we have to establish that those women are like the rest of us, only full-time carers for people who are ill, etc., and that that work is crucial to the society and to becoming the end and aim of production and, in fact, of the the whole society. Uh, so it, it's terribly important to keep going, whether whether it is acknowledged or whether people rip off. to make a career career for themselves without paying attention to the movement of women, which is growing all the time. It's terribly important to do your work, to build your international network, and to make sure that women are truly represented in your network and organization. That's all (laughs) that matters. Let them get on with it. Right, and and we have you and and others have, uh,
0: in our network have always made the connection um, with pay equity, for example, and the lack of wages, the lack of recognition that those of us who are caring. Yeah for children for elderly dependents for the land are actually workers we want that you know to be counted as as a worker and the fact that that work is unwage when you're doing it then caregiving work for a wage as a domestic worker as a home care worker as a teacher nurse etc that then that wage is lower than it should be because the expectation is we do it for free. So why should you get a decent wage if you're doing it, uh, quote, unquote, on the job? Quick comment, Selma?
1: Yes, that's terribly uh, important in terms of denying us recognition for the work that we're doing. And by the way, if we had a care income, we wouldn't have a problem with pay equity because we'd have money to refuse a job that was too low paid. Nowadays, and for many years, we've had to struggle trying to get pay equity in this job or in that job or in the other industry. But we want money of our own to be able to refuse the low pay. And that's part of the rationale, the important reason that we're calling for an income for women. We call it a care income now because we want to make it clear that this caring that you just spoke about, Margaret, and which goes on all the time, you know, it's not a job that stops, it's a job that continues all the time, that that is acknowledged and it's acknowledged by raising our standard of living Um, Well, maybe to men, but maybe both women and men. It transforms the way things are measured and the way income is distributed. Right. Salma, so on that note, we are going to have to
0: take a station break. And when we return, um, we will continue our discussion with you. There's a lot of ground uh, to cover from your work on um, in support of uh, the rights of, of sex workers, to the care income, to the movement of agroecology, your support for the Haitian grassroots, and much more. So stay with us. You're not going to want to miss uh, any of this. We'll be right back.
1: i mean, very, good and chill. And very, chill. I'm very-
0: So that song from the bits that I have heard, that's Money, Money, Money by ABBA. This is Margaret Prescott, host of Sojourner Truth, our handle on Instagram and Twitter at Radio. And if you are a member of Facebook, you can like and friend us there. We're also heard nationwide and worldwide on SoundCloud. Today, I'd like to give a shout out to our SoundCloud listeners in the great city of Philadelphia and internationally. I'd like to give a shout out to our SoundCloud listeners in London, England, in the UK, where our guest, uh, Selma James, is based. This is Margaret Prescott, host of Sojourner Truth, and we're having an in-depth discussion uh, with Selma James, uh women's rights anti-racist activist, author, um, uh ongoing uh campaigner for the environment and much more. We're delighted Selma is able to join us from London, England. And she's such an inspiration, uh Selma at You're 92? Oh my goodness. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Still going strong and out there on the picket lines and continuing to, to do movement work. And Salma, actually, before we go into I I want to have a discussion with you, your views on autonomy. But before that, given the fact that you are with us, you're 92 years old, share a little bit with us because you grew up in a, in a movement household. And I'm wondering how that early upbringing um, how that influenced uh, your work today, and also um, the work that you did with C.L.R. James—you were part of his organization, um, the Johnson Forest Tendency when you were a teenager. Let's let's do that now, if that would be okay with you, Selma.
1: Sure. Well, um, as for growing up in a movement household, the world was in flames in the nineteen thirties, as we know. The the Soviet Revolution had taken place shortly before, not long at all, and then the Spanish Revolution took place, and that trained us, you know, trained the whole of the working class to be international. And um, when I when I saw the organization uh, that Johnson was leading, that is C.L.R. James. I was very interested. It was 1945. The bomb had just dropped, and I wanted to be part of the movement, which I always sort of had been in my family. And I learned a number of things that have shaped me um, for the rest of my life. And the first thing is that the grassroots must lead, and that your job as anyone who was political must be to assist that to happen, to make sure that that happened, to to fight within movements for the grassroots to have the power, and only and beginning with women, of course, and beginning, you know, um, um, this uh, uh, there was a great. I can't think of the name the man from. Uh, India from Ireland, who said, none so fit to wear to break the chains oh, as those who wear them. That has been a, a lifeline for me. You know, James Connolly, who led the movement for, for a free and an anti imperialist struggle, he had it right with women, none so fit to break the chains as those who wear them. And I learned that in another way from C.O.R. James, and I was given a training in anti-racism. His method was to study the Civil War and to find out about the abolitionist movement, the runaway slaves, and to make it clear that the struggle against slavery was led by people who were no longer ready to be slaves. And it has stood me in in good stead from then to now. That applies to women, it applies to all the other sectors who are represented, for example, in our international network. Sex workers must not be burdened with illegality. And um, single mothers must have an income. And lesbian women have a right, or any other gender have a right to the sex life that they want. And women with disabilities must have a society that is um, open to everyone, where every, you know, you can send a man to the moon, but you can't get on a bus in a wheelchair. What is that? That's not what we want. And, um, single mothers must have all kinds of things and health care must be available and food is a right not you know a privilege of a few people who are allowed to eat we must have all have that all of this was really in the way in which CLR led us and built an organization which was from the ground up rather than from the top down. That was my big lesson. And that's how the Wages for Housework movement has been guided all these years.
0: Absolutely. And and we're going to be talking a bit about autonomy. I'm glad you mentioned sex worker rights because the next clip we're going to play is actually, I quite enjoyed Selma watching this clip, and it's an interview, a television interview that was done with you back, I think, in 1982 when sex workers and their supporters, including you from the Crossroads Women's Center in King's Cross, occupied a local church and uh this woman thought she was really uh putting you on the spot but uh, you just dealt with it brilliantly let's go to that clip now
3: now salma james you are leading this protest and you're I'm not, a, not, not well you're one of you're one involved. of the leaders and yeah. you're very heavily involved now you're not a prostitute how do you, you make know? it sound like that's a crime i'm just stating the case yeah. how do you know since you aren't a prostitute what the
5: prostitutes of King's Cross really want. Because they say so all the time. They say so to everybody and nobody listens and that's why we took over the church, so now they are hearing. And now people who want to defend the police are attacking those of us who are not prostitutes and those of us who are for putting the case before the public. All right, now there have been some fairly
3: upfront attacks on you particularly today in some of the national newspapers yeah, and it's been pointed out that you're a long time campaigner for women against rape, wages for housework, housewives in dialogue, black women for wages and so black on. Black women?
5: Fine. Sounds but ominous.
3: Yeah. worthy causes as these I'm sure may be, isn't there a danger that your reputation as a professional adopter of causes might backfire on the girls you're trying to represent and make the public lose sympathy for the girls?
5: I don't earn my living as a, as a backer of causes as you earn your living by questioning people who do have causes. I earn my living uh, as a typist. And I would like to say that every woman should be interested in the cause of prostitutes in King's Cross and every person who understands that the police are not doing what they're supposed to be doing and are doing what they're not supposed to be doing, are doing illegal things, should be very interested, very concerned with what we are doing. We're the front line demanding that the police activity in King's Cross and elsewhere be looked into. Some we're of the, the girls, front line.
3: So some of the girls were quoted today as saying that your sit in at the church had
5: caused the police to crack down even harder. How do you reply to that? I think that that's partly true. I think that many girls are not being arrested and I think that some girls are being arrested more, especially those you know, whom the police can get at. They're very angry when women stand up for their rights and they're doing more illegal work in some areas now than they were before. Well, are you is, sorry? is in a good thing? Yes. If the yes. police, it's
3: causing the police to crack down harder.
5: No, no, the police are doing some more illegal work in some areas and some less illegal work in others. Women walked out of the church today and were threatened with arrest, but they were not arrested because we were with them, those of us who have been publicly identified. There is no way it is a bad thing to point to police Illegality, if you have a case and we
0: have one. Against police illegality, that was uh, Selma James back in 1982, uh, taking on the uh, interviewer there in the British uh, television. And uh, Selma, the English Collective of Prostitutes was one of the early autonomous organizations that came into the Wages for Housework campaign, Black Women for Wages for Housework, which I co-founded, was another. You have recently been talking about um, the unity and autonomy or autonomy as a basis for unity. I wonder if you could tell us a bit about what you mean by that.
1: Yes, um, we are, the English Collective of Prostitutes is one, you know us pros is in the US, you know the massive organization in Thailand of sex workers who are also with us. And the point is, if you are as your sector, together in charge of your own movement, Making your own demands and and fighting for them as these organizations against who are against their illegalization, then um, what happens is that you your movement is stronger, but that you are open to working with other sectors who agree with you and who also want to see the end of illegality by the police, for example, and the end of racism by the police, which was all in the UK that we were facing and in many other countries as well, so that you are able to keep your own focus at the same time as you are able to work collectively with other sectors so that you are stronger and they are stronger too. And I think it's best uh, explained, you know, in Thailand there's the, um, the human rights defenders and there are 19 different networks that come together. They keep their identity as a network of slum dwellers, um, um, women who do who sex, who sex do sex work, women who are um, working uh, in sweatshops, women um, who are farm workers, women who are against mining and the cutting down of trees, women who are. Uh, women who are reorganizing themselves to make this the soil produce good food and produce it for their communities or, and various other groups as well, they each of them have their own identity, yet all of them all of them, subscribe to a care income for each of them so that they are a power for each other, but they're also a power for themselves, focusing on their own needs, their own demands, their own um, uh, perspectives, but also supporting each other so that they can work together and strengthen themselves against, let's not forget it, against the military dictatorship, they're dealing with a lot. And they're dealing with it as best they can and keeping their identity as women in struggle and of any work that they're doing. Women who, who one of the women are the people who, um, who sell things in the streets, you know, the street vendors. They have their own network too. Each of them has their own network. But together, they make a much stronger network. That's what we mean by autonomy. That's how we organize internationally. And that's what we strengthen when we work with other workers. Say, yes, you are working against deportation. So are we. We want want to prevent the deportation of people who have a right to claim their own wealth back from the so-called motherland. But at the same time, we work together and we fight the repressive and the represses deportation laws.
0: Absolutely. Uh thank you for that. Our guest is Selma James, who is of uh, founder of the Wages for Housework campaign, a coordinator of the Global Women's Strike, an independent grassroots uh network of, of women. And I'll I'll have to say the network also works with men, uh, a group called Payday Men's Network. Now Selma, last year, 2022, marked the fifth 50th anniversary of the Wages for Housework campaign. And I wonder if you could tell us a bit about how the demand for Wages for Housework has evolved or broadened. Uh, What, if anything, has changed um you know for example you might want to talk about the care income and specifically the work on the land uh agro the movement for agroecology the um, women's collectives in andhra pradesh india that you have been uh, very involved in in promoting uh, selma
1: jane we've changed a lot as the wages for housework campaign we're much more careful and respectful of the work that women do at home. We started, we had some idea. The piece that you play tells us how we were not strengthened as we are now by demanding that this caring be acknowledged. And that has been tremendously important. As you say, we went to the UN to get recognition. We got some recognition, but mainly we got recognition because we were campaigning all over the world. And then the pandemic hit and everybody could see that women were the ones who kept people alive in the hospital, in the care home, and in every home almost in the world. It was women's work of caring which kept us alive, kept us going, kept us eating, because we were growing most of the food. And that has been tremendously important in bringing the whole society to an awareness of what women in particular are doing for the whole world, which we want every gender to be involved in, to care care for people and also to care for the soil, for the natural world which needs caring because they're trying to destroy it. they're suicidally greedy you know these oil companies and all. And um, this is what we've been involved in now in the course of supporting, a national strike in india of millions of people who work on the land we discovered andhra pradesh which is one set one state in india who are now doing farming in a very different way than the green revolution had us believe was the way to the future in fact it's a lot more of what indigenous people um, have been doing and the women in self-help women's farmers gr- groups have changed not only the way they do farming, but the way they organize themselves, the way they have seems to seem to have defeated domestic violence, the way women are discovering the best ways, you know, they have become, as the man said, who has been their greatest support, um, B. J. Kumar, he said the, the farmers have become scientists, but the problem is that the scientists have not become farmers. And they have been trying to spread this way of doing things, not only because the police, the, the food is healthy now once we're not using any poisoning of the soil, once the soil is allowed to do its natural thing and is encouraged to do it, um, that has changed a lot in the society and especially among women who are much stronger than they used to be. They look very different and they they have a bigger power. But also, if they get 25% of the world, 25% more of the world covered with green which enables the the natural um, um, process of, 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 chi- of pro- climate, then we have a chance of stopping global warming, of reversing it, of making it useful to the rest of us, and of changing the relationships among us. So we are really interested. In doing this, and in we just had a big international conference on the soil, on the farming generally, which we presented at, um, and we continue to campaign, and it's spreading into Africa. We're so anxious to see that, and to see that women who are doing most of the food growing in the world. Uh, uh, food growing for their own families, not the the mega farms that poison the soil, but the women who get the food as as comfortably, as as healthily as they can, are making big changes. Uh, We feel that this is an important movement, a movement of women, a movement of farmers, and the movement of farmers who become scientists and who have a lot more good food to give us.
0: Right. And that that conference you referred to, of course, was the, I think it was the uh, Oxford Rail Farming uh, Conference that took place. It was several days. And you spoke a few times, I think, including at the agroecology and feminism transforming our society and our economy. And as soon as we get access, to the, um, the audio of that, we would be glad to share it with our audience. But Selma, time just flies. Just looking at the clock, I see we literally have about uh, two and a half, perhaps we could squeak in three minutes left um that we didn't people can go to the global women's strike website to get more information about the important global mothers survey that is going on right now yes. um, for mothers important. and other caregivers right and also more about uh, the care income. But Selma, before we wrap up, I I, I really want to, to raise the issue of Haiti with you because you have been very dedicated uh, to the grassroots movement on the ground in Haiti, whom you call the Black Jacobins of today. And I wonder if you could just briefly tell us why that is the significance of that incredible movement on the ground in Haiti, Selma James. Yes, it's,
1: it's, it's Haiti started the movement for emancipation for all people in the Americas. That was the first one, and they did it at a time when there weren't other countries that were gaining independence. They broke everything, every rule in the book, and took into their own hands the right to be free and the right to stay free. And they have been punished ever since because they have guts and because they have stood against the army of Napoleon and defeated him. And it's terribly important that we support that. At the moment, our people in Peru are fighting a coup that is taking place. And the domestic workers whom we relate to um, in particular, are fighting that back. And Haiti is an example to all of us. It says, if you want to fight, keep fighting and you can win. And those of us who have won as a result of Haiti women winning, we need to support Haiti. We need it because they did it and helped all of us. And we need it because they have had the most marvelous leadership in Aristide and Mrs. Aristide, who is fantastic. Mildred is a fantastic person. And we really need to hold on to those who are ready to struggle as Heidi has always been ready.
0: Well, on that note, Selma, I'm sad to say we are going to have to uh, leave it there. There's so much more that we can discuss with you. We appreciate you taking the time to join us. For those of you who want more information about uh, Haiti, of course, HaitiSolidarity.net website, the Haiti Emergency Relief Fund. And, And Selma, we thank you for all of your encouragement and support for grassroots strugglers in Haiti and around the world. Thank you so very much. For joining us,
1: thank you for the chance to speak with you and others.
0: All righty, we are going to have to leave it there. If uh, today's show produced by me, that's Margaret Prescott. I'd like to thank our assistant producer, Alicia Vargas, our um, engineer for today, Um, Gary Baca. If you'd like a copy of today's show, contact the Pacifica Radio Archives. Sojourner Truth will be back on the air tomorrow with our weekly roundtable. It's back; you won't want to miss that. Thank you for listening. This is your host, Margaret Prescott, and you all, please stay well and safe.
3: A man like that is hard to find, but I can get him off my mind.